Hey up, it's Trevor here from We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. And today I've got a bit of a special extra episode in which I would like to discuss the early works of Peter Jackson. So it's kind of another episode of the films that I own that I haven't watched yet, actually, because I'm going to be discussing today his three earliest films. I'm going to watch them all for the first time. I've never actually watched them and discuss them afterwards, what I thought and whether there's any similarities to Peter Jackson's later work and especially, you know, Lord of the Rings. It's a favourite in our household. Sort of every other Christmas, we'll sit down and watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Peter Jackson, you know, by now is as synonymous with Lord of the Rings as J.R.R. Tolkien himself you know, Jackson's created the very first successful, well, the very first live-action reconstruction of Middle-earth. He's really brought it to life, to the screens, which was a project that everyone deemed impossible. And to me, it is one of the best sort of trilogies or series that's ever been created. I mean, I used to really love Star Wars, but then when the prequels came out, they sort of lost it for me. And the original films have sort of lost their magic since. I suppose Back to the Future is quite a decent trilogy, but parts two and three really feel tacked on. Part one was really a film, a standalone film, which works amazingly. It's one of my favourite films. But two and three are less impressive. Two seems a bit sort of long-winded. Three gets a bit, a bit more commercial and a bit more, I don't know, it's lost something by number three, I think. They're still good films, but two and three are definitely tacked on at a later date to cash in, and you can tell that. I suppose the Harry Potter films were a great series as well. I really enjoyed those. And Potter and the Star Wars prequels were sort of being released at the same time as The Lord of the Rings. And in fact, uh, Harry Potter 1 came out before The Fellowship of the Ring. When Harry Potter 2 came out, you could see how the way it was shot and the special effects had been obviously influenced by Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. And even Star Wars, you know, Lucas wanted to wait until the effects were right to make the prequel stories. And he decided to opt out of sort of having special effects that you could hold and see, you know, there was no more elaborate sets. Everything was done on CG. And I think now you look back at those prequels and they look dated. The special effects aren't that good. They don't even hold up compared to the original trilogy. And I think Peter Jackson knew that to make Lord of the Rings well, he'd need live action props, makeup, sets, miniatures, as well as sort of creating this digital landscape. I remember watching Attack of the Clones and there was a single shot in there where there's like a spaceship coming down into the war zone and then a camera zooms into Yoda. This one shot made us all in cinema go, wow, like, you know, that the movement in that shot had never been seen before in a CGI film. Until we went to watch Lord of the Rings and the whole film was like that. And it it blew us away completely. But what's the difference between Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter and the Star Wars films? Uh, Two of them were funded by massive Hollywood studios. 
20th Century Fox, Warner Brothers, created Star Wars and Potter with massive effects houses like ILM and Sony Imageworks behind the special effects. Lord of the Rings is essentially a massive indie film with New Line taking the risk, trusting in Peter Jackson that he could make three films back to back of Lord of the Rings and be completely true. And up to this point, really, you know, the effects weren't there. Peter Jackson's fledgling effects studio, Weta, you know, started carving its own path by creating these effects that needed to be done. And it was all made up on the spot and under some real limitations. And it was all away from Hollywood in New Zealand. So the the company, New Line, has funded it from America, but they've had to basically leave Peter Jackson and his crew to just get on with it and trust that they can do it. And surely they... But, you know, as we all know now, they pulled it out of the bag and that Lord of the Rings trilogy stands up better than any of the prequels of Star Wars. It's just an amazing accomplishment. So, you know, they had faith in Peter Jackson. But you think that the last film Peter Jackson had done before Lord of the Rings was The Frighteners, which flopped. So you think that's amazing that he was given the Lord of the Rings, but he didn't want To do The Lord of the Rings, the film we wanted to do before was King Kong, which he got to do afterwards. But the studios all pulled out of letting him do King Kong because the Frighteners flopped. But then as luck would have it, he managed to get hold of the rights to Lord of the Rings. uh, And uh, yeah, the rest is history. But we're not talking about Lord of the Rings anyway. It's just sort of a, a little bit of an introduction into where I'm going with this, because I've been listening to a book called Anything You Can Imagine which is all about Peter Jackson and the making of Middle-earth. And in that, they sort of discussed his earlier movies of Peter Jackson, Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles and Brain Dead. And they're sort of a mixture of like amateur splatter gore, hideous sort of puppetry, adult Muppets, you know. And I've never seen them, and I still have never seen them. I'd heard of Peter Jackson. Really, the first film of his I saw was The Frighteners. I've, since watching Lord of the Rings, I've seen Heavenly Creatures, which was his first more serious film. It was his fourth film and his first more serious role after Brain Dead, where he took on a real story of these two schoolgirls who killed one of their mums because they were sort of obsessed with this fantasy world that they created. It's a true New Zealand sort of crime story. And Peter Jackson made this and this is where you start to see the beginnings of Weta Digital with the effects that they're sort of playing with. Uh, it started Kate Winslet actually in one of her very early roles and since I've watched King Kong as well and King Kong just doesn't have the appeal to me that Lord of the Rings did. It seemed overly long. Um, it, I know Lord of the Rings are long but it's Lord of the Rings trilogy is just an adventure that I can just be drawn into and I feel like I've been on a journey every time I finish watching it King Kong just like oh it's, now it's another monster fight oh now it's this it just seemed to go on I did see My Lovely Bones which is a bit more like Heavenly Creatures where it's a, a sort of a more macabre story I think it's an adaptation from a book about a girl who's murdered and then doesn't she try isn't her spirit trying to sort of help people find her murder or something it's something like that anyway i haven't up until this point seen bad taste 
or Meet the Feebles and Brain Dead. So that's what I am going to discuss in this episode. I'm going to go and put bad taste on in a minute and hopefully we'll watch this and get an idea of sort of how these first films are a great example of the passion and ingenuity of Peter Jackson, which would eventually lead him to create Lord of the Rings. So I'm going to sit down and watch the film now. I've got the case here and it's got the alien on the front sticking up the finger. All really low budget prosthetics and at that Peter Jackson and is made in his garage basically. Um, there's a really great documentary called uh, Good Taste Made Bad Taste which I'll try and share a link to our Facebook page if you're interested in watching that. Facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies podcast. So... Lord Crumb and his army of aliens have landed on Earth. Already a small town has been packed in boxes ready to become the latest taste sensation to hit the galaxy. Earth's government issue a full-scale alert and unleash their first line of defence. The boys. Derek, Frank, Oz and Barry. Will Lord Crumb succeed in turning the human race into Crumb's county delights? Or will the boys stop him? Find out in one of the funniest cult movies ever bad taste so this was made over weekends i think it took him about four years to make and i was making it every other weekend and it was just him and his mates and it started off as a 10 minute film and it just kept expanding and expanding until eventually they got a uh a full film out of it i think they took it to cans and it it won like all the gore section and that and became this big cult classic so yeah i've heard all about it but i've never actually watched it so i'm going to stick it on now and i'll come back afterwards and we will discuss peter jackson's debut picture bad taste so having just watched bad taste what have i got to say about it do you want to hear of course you do. That's why you're here. So, yeah, I mean, the ingenuity of Peter Jackson was absolutely mind-blowing, really. It's not just a few gory shots here and there. It's like the challenges he sets himself, you know, what they set out to achieve. I mean, yeah, the story isn't, you know, it's not the best story, but it serves its purpose in being a showcase for what, they can achieve on minimum budget. And I mean, this is all made in his hometown, using, utilising his friends as actors, mixing up gore and vomit in, a, in his mum's kitchen, you know, using the locations of friends and family. It's all the, the genius shots and challenges, as I was saying, that make this film so awesome you can see why you know when they took it to Cannes film festival they didn't think they stood a chance but it got a stand innovation and then they ended up selling it to different distributors and set peter jackson on a path i mean some of the shots like let me just go through it it very much put me in mind watching this of el mariachi robert rodriguez's original film i think peter jackson ended up spending a little bit more to make this and there's a lot more sort of construction gone in to this but it's got that same raw feel and maximizing 
the effect for the limitations that they had, both Robert Rodriguez and Peter Jackson. But Peter Jackson comes from a much more creative sort of background. So he plays with puppets and animation. He's done all things like that. So some of the shots they put up here, you know, some of the effects that we're looking at, like prosthetics, the alien masks, um, the gore, the bits of brain. I mean, he even went so far as to building like camera dolly tracks, cranes, all sorts to create shots that he wanted. So he's he's gone through this and like everything. He's like, what can we do here? Let's have a scene where we drop a man holding a chainsaw through the top of an alien's head. So it bores through him and then is reborn at the bottom. You know, it's, that's what I mean. Everything is so elaborate and so well done. I mean, possibly I enjoyed El Mariachi more. I found it much more gripping and I could watch it. Whereas this, there's bits of bad taste where I'm just bored and getting distracted. It's very much a slow paced story, but it is awesome, you know, and it's quite repetitive in some of the action scenes or what have you. Um, It's always harder to watch a low budget film. Like, you know, the music isn't as effective as, say, a proper film. I think El Mariachi achieved more in a sense of storytelling and keeping me, you know, I could watch it again and again. I've watched it several times. Whereas Bad Taste, as I was watching it, I realised I had started watching it a long time ago and never finished it. And now I've just sort of, I felt like I was forcing myself to watch it. And the effects are great, but it's not enough there to keep me sort of interested i wouldn't watch it again necessarily but you can certainly see why people love it and why back in the 80s such effects were so effective i mean it's not just the special effects and things there's the camera movements and the camera shots involved some of them are really fantastic uh, we see, basically, the story is, if you don't already know, the aliens have come to Earth to harvest humans. And they've gone through this town. They've packed them all up for meat. They're going to sell them um, to the, you know, it's <laughs> Crumbs Crunchy Delights, extraterrestrial food corporation, basically. Um, all the aliens sort of walk around in blue jeans. You know, they're blue-collar workers is the, the joke there, isn't it? Uh, most of the time they look like humans until the end when they sort of transform and the transformations sort of brilliant and the first reveal of the alien as it peers out over the bushes is is great you know it challenges even some of the hollywood films that you was watching with aliens at the time some of that you know the animatronics the way it moved and everything yeah really really worked well peter jackson plays one of the uh aliens in this is a bit of an idiot alien sort of he lumbers around um you first meet him he's hanging upside down off the edge of a cliff and he is literally tied upside down off the edge of a cliff um put himself through that just for the sake of making a film uh, and you do you watch peter jackson films now and you always see him dotting himself in there in a cameo so here he has a bit more of a, a role to play and um in one of the scenes, he is sort of vomiting into this bowl, vomiting this bluey mess. And it looks really great, but it's not until you watch the documentary Good Taste 
made bad taste that you realise that it's not actually him vomiting, it's a prosthetic mask of his face that they use so they could just pump vomit through it. And it looks really well done. It's really effective. It is brilliant. You can see how his mind works to sort of set himself challenges and then go out and conquer them. Fantastic, really. There's a lot of comedy in the in the, this as well. So it sort of takes the the dark with the light, I suppose, isn't it? It's not just gore for the sake of being shocking. He's gone for the humour as well, which sort of makes it not so disturbing. Probably another reason why it's got such a massive cult following. Um, sort of like a lot of nonsensical comedy sort of interspersed with this really well shot and edited action sequences. Some of the highlights of the action for me is when Derek is trying to escape the two aliens with the sledgehammers and some of the shots there. It's really great at just how he sort of ducks and they like hit them to hit together just above his head and things. But you can see there's no real danger that anyone's in, but it's really effective editing. Uh, there's a few scenes like that, even the like the shootout at the end, uh, or not the very end, but the, the uh, as they sort of get to the house with the aliens and then they're having this massive shootout, it sort of goes on a bit. But it's really well edited, there's some really great setups in there. Uh, and the gunshots themselves are like dubbed over flashes with lots of squibs, but Peter Jackson actually made most of the guns himself him and his friends have put the guns together replica guns some of my favorite uh, effects are not necessarily the gore even though they are i mean seeing derek carving his way through the alien with a chainsaw is quite quite impressive um but it's like little effects like uh, where one of the aliens gets shot in the head and then he, he sat there dripping blood it's just sort of constantly pouring out of his forehead into a cup. You can't see anywhere above the hole on his skin where there is a pipe or anything. So you think that's quite an effective shot. Um, then there's the, the effects of the house. You know, when they start missiling the house and they use this this sort of stately home place, this wooden slatted house, really picturesque. And then they've built a miniature just for this, which they then they then blow up and launch into space later on at the end. Uh, turns out it is a spaceship, not a house. But that's what I mean. It's all the effects they've gone to, the lengths they've gone to to create this this silly little film. It's just brilliant. And, um, yeah, while it's not my, you know, it's not my type of film, and it was a bit, a bit too rough around the edges in some places to sort of keep me entertained, it is obviously a sign of what is to come and how seriously they take the effects it's like they, they took the effects more seriously than the story you know it is like i said just a showcase uh there's also a little nod to the beatles in there he's got the, the sergeant pepper's cutouts it dry in the front of the car so Derek is driving the car, looking through the top window, and then you've got the Beatles sort of cutouts in the windscreen below. Uh, obviously, Peter Jackson has a, a documentary coming out all about, I think it's the last time the Beatles met in the studio, um, which he's been going through all the footage, and he's edited that. He's a massive Beatles fan. And incidentally enough, did you know the Beatles were also 
at one point going to make a live action uh, Lord of the Rings film. I think they took it to John Borman, but it never really got off the ground. I wonder what that would have been like. Not very good, I shouldn't have thought. But <laughs> Anyway, um, so that was Bad Taste, Peter Jackson's very first film. And next, I am going to watch a film called Meet the Feebles, which I really know nothing about. It's not like with Bad Taste, I'd seen bits and bobs of it in previous you know, film magazines and stuff. I think I might have seen one photo of this in Empire magazine or something, Meet the Feebles. It's not really the sort of film I race out to watch. It's like an adult Muppets is what I sort of get the the gist of. Um, now, I'm a big fan of the Muppets. I love the Muppets. But things like this, very often the joke wears thin, you know. It's just getting puppets to do disgusting and crude things that's what it seems like to me just from what i can see of it um but you never know it might be better than that uh, at this point uh, peter jackson has started working with fran walsh who was and is his they're not married she's not his wife but they're partners and she also helped to write and direct the lord of the rings trilogy so she's played a massive pivotal part of his life um, and she sort of helped him to write this production as well. So, like I say, it's like the Muppets. It's anarchic puppetry, basically. So, I'm going to have a look at that now. First of all, let me read you the cover. So, Meet the Feebles, the adult puppet movie, with something to offend everyone. So tasteless, it scrapes genius. Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles, a lovable group of puppets with their own weekly TV show. Prepare to be shocked. Live backstage for these furry fellas ain't all cute one-liners or witty repartee, I can tell you. The host has got a bad dose of the clap. The star of the show has compulsive eating disorder. The stage manager makes porno films. And the boss, an otter, is caught porking one of the chorus girls, a cat. Not exactly the Muppets, is it? Meet the Feebles is groundbreaking cinema. Designer Cameron Chittock's puppets are amazing in the way in which they adapt to the extremities of Jackson's whims, whether it be snorting a line of coke, staging a fight scene, or simply having a spew. Again, the director calls on a shoot-em-up ending to conclude proceedings, but the sight of a deranged hippo running amok with a machine gun is unforgettable. Ditto, a superb deer hunter parody and a lavish production number entitled Sodomy. It's odd of me. Disgusting, vile and outrageous. And we mean that lovingly. So, yeah, Dead Alive Productions and Wingnut Films present Meet the Feebles. So, screenplay by Francis Walsh, Stephen Sinclair, Danny Mulheron and Peter Jackson. So, Fran Walsh. You know, Peter Jackson's partner in crime. She goes on to help him write the uh, Lord of the Rings films. So, yeah, looking forward to now giving this one a try. Let's do that. So, Meet the Feebles. From the outset, it was like the Muppets. Got the intro, like the Muppets has the Let's Meet the Muppets intro. This was Meet the Feebles. Um, and it's also sort of done on the stage and you meet the main characters, Heidi, the Miss Piggy type hippopotamus and the rabbit 
who is the the lead. Um, but it's quite a dark sort of set. And once they finish the song, then you see this like stage hand or something. It's like a, a rat thing. It reminded me a bit of the weasels out of Roger Rabbit. But it just says something really vulgar. And it it sort of goes from there. It's just gro- it's vulgar. It's grotesque. You know, you see them smoking, swearing, drinking, taking drugs. There's, there's gore. Uh, and then as the stories sort of start, it's completely seedy. It's completely sordid. <laughs> Not really my cup of tea. If I'm honest, I watched this in two parts and then I didn't even finish it the second time. I got about 25 minutes in the first time and I got a bit distracted and I there was something else I'd rather have done, so I'd done that. About a week later, I came back to watch the second half, okay? Um... And again, I I haven't finished it. It's just, it's not for me. You know, it's just a thin joke. I'm, I, I'm not saying it's, it's just not, it's not my kind of comedy. The joke does wear thin. I mean, yes, the production values are great for a low budget amateur production team to produce all these puppets. And a lot of the puppets are sort of like full height puppets. So they're, people in suits like out on the golf courses quite impressive when you see these suits and things but the characters i just thought was horrible the the jokes were thin and just just for shock humor which i don't know it's i found it appalling i found it repulsive um there were some good bits you know i did Get to the Vietnam flashback scene. It was quite good parody in sort of Apocalypse Now and Deer Hunter. And it was really well shot, you know. And this, that sort of showcased Jackson's directorial talents once again. Um, you know, to see this scene, this Vietnam sort of flashback with puppets. It was good and it was well shot. But then it's just vomiting sort of puppets having sex filming pornos it's drug deals <laughs> yeah i just you know it's too much of that sort of thing it's just really seedy really sordid you know the editing's good there's a good choice of shots and good cuts effective cuts and quite you know good pace of the the filming and the editing peter jackson knows what he's doing with the camera it just isn't my sort of film and i'm afraid that i just couldn't bring myself to finish it it just the sort of hour that i've watched i probably haven't even reached an hour i think i only got about 50 minutes in but it felt like days and yeah i just got other things to watch so next film on the list is his third movie, um, which is Brain Dead. Um, not to be mistaken with the, it's the nineteen ninety sci-fi horror. This is the nineteen ninety-two Peter Jackson film Brain Dead, all one word. So I think it's like a, a slapstick. I think it's like a comedy again. I don't know. I don't know enough about this. It's called Dead Alive or Brain Dead. Uh, now it says the the goriest film of all time on the front and it's got a picture of I think there's a woman 
stretching her lips and inside her mouth there is like a, a, a zombie face in there puts me in mind of the david cronenberg stuff which again i haven't seen a lot of but it certainly looks a bit more upmarket the cover looks a bit more upmarket than both bad taste and certainly meet the feebles and notice names on there like uh richard taylor is the creature and gore effects now he he plays a big part in peter jackson's future with weta and the cre- creations of creatures and what have you and designing lord of the rings um francis walsh again is in there uh helping him to write the screenplay but basically yeah dead alive throw out all of your preconceptions about the limits of horror a new standard has been set with dead alive the mother of all horror films on a quiet street in a small town pure evil has come to stay lionel in an Lionel, an innocent young man, is forced to care for his domineering mother and finds the task a whole lot more demanding after she's bitten by the cursed Sumatran rat monkey. Passing the point of death, Lionel's mother sucks friends and family into her gruesome existence among the living dead and Lionel is sent spiralling into a ghoulish nightmare. Now a crazed zombie, she soon infects enough people to make it difficult for Lionel, still the faithful son, to keep the neighbours from suspecting that something is terribly wrong. Dead Alive is dripping with state-of-the-art special effects that feature mutilations, rock and roll dismemberments and household appliances combining into the most bizarre ending ever filmed. So this will be the third of Peter Jackson's sort of gory horrors. And let's hope that it's a bit, let's hope I find it more entertaining than Meet the Feebles. Sorry, Mr. Jackson. I mean, I do love your Lord of the Rings, but Meet the Feebles was hard work. I appreciate what you were doing. I know that, you know, a lot of time has passed since it came out. So it's, it's dated, its themes have dated somewhat. But let's see if Dead Alive, sounds like a zombie film, as uh, can make up for it. I'll let you know what I think afterwards. Cheers. So that was the third of the Peter Jackson early days gore and schlock humour videos that he's done. His first three low-budget films, but... This film, obviously, from the beginning, you can see that the budget is a little bit higher and it feels more like a film straight away. It starts off and it's like there's a pre-credit sequence set at Skull Island, which, you know, lifted straight from King Kong, which, you know, Jackson is never, never denies, you know, that he is his favourite of all the films. He wanted to make King Kong long before he wanted to make Lord of the Rings, um, he wasn't actually a Lord of the Rings fan, like you know. He just wanted to make a t- Lord of the Rings type of film, and that's why they said, "Well, let's just make Lord of the Rings." But Peter Jackson, you know, you watch what he's doing in his career. Okay, so the Feebles I didn't like, but you can see he's just try. He's like, "I want to make this," and then he'll go out and he'll make it. I want to make a an adult Muppets, so he does. He goes and does it, and this is his, I want to make a zombie film, but the ultimate gore-fest zombie film. And it just goes off the rails. But 
at the same time, out of the three films, this is the one that I've enjoyed the most. And it starts off, like with, like I say, with this pre-credit sequence, and you can see that there's a lot more thought gone into the structure of the film, the way the film shot, the camera angles, tidier. I mean, it's still uh, sort of active, the camera movements and stuff, still as active as his previous films. Peter Jackson is a real lively director his, his camera moves a lot the editing is always fast-paced he was the best man to make lord of the rings when you see films like this and what he's achieving on these low budgets it's great but yeah not only that not only is it sort of better structure the lighting is more effective there's four more thought gone into the construction of the shots you know and although the gore is abundant throughout and really you know over the top gore throughout as well it doesn't seem to be like bad taste was the story seemed to be constructed around what they wanted to do with the gore whereas this seems to be like they've got the story and the gore is filling the story for a change because i mean everything in this is is a lot better the story the subplots it's better character depth it's just yeah really great so the main story is you're following lionel who sort of lives with his mother and well, the subplot, first of all, you know, on Skull Island. So the, the subplot on Skull Island, they've uh, they found this monkey and they're trying to take it off the island and the natives try not to let them. But then the, the, the monkey does get taken off the island and it ends up in Wellington Zoo and it's a rat monkey. And when you see it at the zoo, the lead star Lionel takes his girlfriend there to see this rat monkey and it's like an anime it's hideous it reminds me of the rabbit that's pulled from the hat in the joe dante episode of the twilight zone movie i don't know if you've ever seen that but it reminds me of that it's a real sickening little thing but it's it's clearly animation and i mean that's the thing these films some of the gore is just faultless but some of it is so cartoony it doesn't distract because because the films are so funny or because this film is so funny, it doesn't detract from your enjoyment of it. You don't go, oh, that looks fake. You're just laughing at it looking fake, like the baby zombie that comes on later, you know, and this little rat monkey. And then, anyway, the mother is jealous of the son, so she's there at the zoo, and the rat monkey bites her, and then she stamps its head into the cage. It's all just excuses for, for gore, but it's well done. Anyway, then she starts to become a zombie, over the next couple of days, she starts to decompose. But she's, first of all, she's got to have this dinner meeting with her, um, I think it was like the WLWM or something, like some women's institute sort of thing, but it's not the women's institute. She's having this meeting with them. They've invited them over for dinner and she is just falling apart. She's speaking really slowly. Uh, the actress, what's her name? Elizabeth Moody. It's excellent as the mother. And then as she's sort of having this meal, she's talking like this. And the woman looks horrified, but the husband who they're talking to is just, he's just intent on having his food, you know, and eating it. Uh, But it's a really great scene. That's the thing. There is throughout this film, there is a lot of gore and a lot of action. And maybe the end goes on maybe it could be 10 minutes shorter the end sequences do seem to go on and on but there's so many great set pieces and the actor who plays the the lead role is just fantastic he's like 
really scatty and really it's like a slapstick sort of nervousness and he's trying to protect the town he's got his mother and he's sort of giving her tranquilizers to try and keep her down the town sort of get wind and they're having this funeral for her and he's hoping that he can bury her and get her buried and that'll be the end of it and at the funeral scene that you know the uh mortician is like oh lionel has been returning to visit her her remains frequently you know as if he's concerned but really he's going back and just pumping her full of tranquilizer because he doesn't want anyone else to sort of cotton on he doesn't want his mum to be known as the zombie and then the, the he adds on the end but she's been damn a damn difficult embalming job and then when you see her she's like they are just literally got the the embalming machine on full just pumping her flu full of fluids to try and keep her in check and her body is all distorted and gross and it's worth noting here that Derek from Bad Taste turns up as the mortician's assistant I mean there's some great lines throughout the film just the comedy is a lot better than I found the the feebles I just didn't find funny Bad Taste was funny really long-winded this just works on so many better levels and there's some brilliant lines like uh, that's my mother you're pissing on and your mother ate my dog <laughs> which is actually a great scene when the love interest Paquita comes around to see Lionel and Lionel's upstairs with the mum and she's got like a dog leg hanging out of her mouth and he starts pulling and he pulls the remains of this bloodied up half-eaten dog from her throat and it's just going on and on and he pulls it out and then Paquita comes in your mother ate my dog and the camera pans out and the bedroom is just full of gore and I mean it's excessive gore throughout and it's just it's so disgusting but so hilarious um so you got the there's like the love interest like i was saying about the the character subplots here there's a lot sort of going on you've got the love interest and she's starts off the film in love with someone else and then as the film goes on she starts to go back to this guy and you just every time you see them together he's just talking about himself and loves himself and that's just a great little character as a joke you can see she's getting more and more tired of it as the film goes on um then you've got the uncle who's sort of after the inheritance. He wants the big house that Lionel's been left by his mum and the money. And he's throws a party as Lionel is trying to sort of keep a handful of zombies tranquilised in his, in his cellar. And uh, he drops the tranquilizer, smashes it so he can't tranquilise it. He gets some more stuff, which he thinks is poison, but it actually turns out to be animal stimulants so he's given this to the zombies just as the uncle is throwing this party and then you know you can see where it's going there's absolute carnage around like in this party when the zombies come through um but before that you've got the the kung fu vicar scene was just fantastic i mean the bloke looks like father ted but he says something like this calls for divine intervention and then starts doing kung fu on all these zombies and he's kicking the, their heads off and their legs off. Um, kicks their legs off from underneath them. So really, really interesting violence in this film is brilliant. And like the scene, the, the fight scenes are really well constructed as well. And then you've got those the nurse who's had her, her neck snapped and her head just keeps flapping back. And there's the scene where Lionel is trying to feed them all. He's got them all 
around the table, sat around the table, and he's feeding them all. And she's the nurse is eating, and where her throat's been slit, all this mulch that she's eating is just oozing out of her throat. It's really clever stuff, really gross though. But then the the vicar and the nurse sort of have sex, and then she gives birth to a zombie baby, which is like a, a cross between spitting image and gremlins. It's just and there's a, a, an immense, a, there's a funny scene where he takes it to the park. Oh, it's just brilliant. There's loads of bits, you know. But there's just so much what they do with the zombies in this film. Um, I, I listed a few things, like re- pulling teeth out, removing, like, tears out, like, a heart. And that, we've seen that before. But in this, one of the zombies tears out someone's whole rib cage. Someone else peels the skin off of someone's skull, just removes their head, but the skull and that is still there. Um, someone else is is being eaten and when they pull him through the door he's like all his legs have been eaten but it's just the bones there and oh it's gross <laughs> it's brilliant um someone else gets punched through the back of their head and the fist comes out through their mouth another zombie gets smacked up against the light bulb and her whole head lights up it's really interesting things but really well done you know a lot of this is really faultless there's a zombie that tears himself in half to get for a cat flap. There's animated innards, which, you know, one zombie loses all his intestines, but then his intestines start to crawl around and try and kill Lionel. And then, you know, at the end of it all, Lionel and his girlfriend are just like, Lionel's going around with a lawnmower, lawnmowing all these zombies into like a mu- massive pulping mess. And his missus is just shoving them all into the blender and blending all these body parts that the Uncle Les has already chopped all these things. Uh, it just, it's excessive, it's disgusting, it's hilarious. It has been my favourite of the three Peter Jackson films. It really has. So that is basically my looking back at the films that I own that I haven't watched yet of Peter Jackson's original trilogy. So original well, not a trilogy. Well, everything he does seems to be a trilogy, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, the Peter Jackson film. So seeing where the director of my favorite, uh, trilogy ever, the Lord of the Rings films has come from. And like I say, I've watched a lot of his latest stuff, but these three films I hadn't watched. I might even visit his other films and just let's have a look at this bloke's career and just see what he's done. Because I haven't watched a lot of his films for ages. I haven't watched The Frighteners for a long time. Um, I could watch Heavenly Creatures again. Heavenly Creatures is very similar to... Um, it's not similar, but it's it's got a, quite a similar feel to Lovely Bones that he's done, which I watched when it first came out, but I haven't watched again. So, yeah, I think it'd be quite interesting to have a look back through the rest of his films. But anyway, that was it for now. Hope you've enjoyed this. And, yeah, I'll be back again soon. I don't know what's going on with the podcast, to be honest. I haven't spoken to Nate for a long time. He seems to be busy. But I'm going to keep doing this sort of thing. So if you lot are still happy to listen to me rambling on about old films, then, uh, yeah, by all means, that's what's going to continue to happen. Anyway... I've just cut it short. I've got to go to the school run now. So thanks for listening and I'll see you all again soon. Chase!